Uh, thank you for that Bible reading. Just make sure we get some sound there. Cool. Thanks, Andy. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Steve. I'm the, I'm the pastoral team here. Uh, someone mentioned the Jaywalk Live that was on Friday. I was there uh, with Kelly, and there's a few parents and kids that were, were there as well. It was the most amazing night to be involved in. If you come along to a Jaywalk Night Live here, it's full of enthusiasm, it's full of singing, dancing, um, some very unique interpretations of biblical passages comes through involving, I think we had fast cars and rap songs and things as the kids you know, looked at the, at the gospel message in, in unique and different ways, but it was, it was so much fun. Um, so I really encourage anyone to, to come along to that uh, next year if you, if you get a chance. It was just, just so good. So thanks for joining us here this morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing the looking through the Gospel of Matthew. So you'll notice the last few weeks we've sort of been looking at Matthew at different times. Uh, last week we looked at Jesus being tempted in the, in the desert. And so today we're going to continue journeying through the Gospel of Matthew. Now one of my favourite questions to ask other Christians, particularly those that I don't know very well, is to ask them the question, what called you to follow Jesus? What, what was it that made you make that decision or called you or really encouraged you to make that decision to say, I want to repent and I want to follow Jesus? What happened in their lives? What happened around them to get to that point? What circumstances arose for them to be able to make that decision? And every believer here will have a story. And every story here would be unique. I had a chat with a new couple that came along to a different service a couple of weeks ago. And we very quickly got chatting about, how can we follow Jesus? You know, why, why did you make that decision? And for one of the people in this couple, they said, it was actually through exploring the, um, the, the truth about, did Jesus really exist? Did Jesus really die? Did Jesus really rise again? Looking at the evidence that we have about Jesus, that, that really got him thinking, going, I... This, this always actually makes sense. And then through him studying, you know, looking at apologetics, the need to repent and follow Jesus was made crystal clear to that particular person. For some here, you may have uh, been called to follow Jesus through your family upbringing, perhaps. Maybe it was when you were at school or at university. Maybe it was just a conversation that you can remember with a friend of yours. Maybe you attended a Billy Graham event or something similar. Maybe it was a time when you were by yourself and had a chat with a lady after the 8.30 service when it was just a time by themselves that they felt prompted to follow Jesus. Maybe it was in a large group. Maybe the Holy Spirit prompted you or you witnessed or experienced a miraculous, a miracle or a healing. Maybe it was in the most wonderful period in your life that you said, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe it was in one of the toughest circumstances that you've ever gone through that all you could do was reach out for Jesus' gentle embrace and follow him. Because God reveals himself in so many different ways. Even just when we look at the Bible, we can see so many ways Elijah searched for God in a whirlwind, but found him in a whisper. Jacob found God in his dreams. Moses in a burning bush. Mary Magdalene looked in a tomb, but found him standing behind her. God always seems to turn up in unexpected places. And in today's passage, we're looking at the very beginning of Jesus' preaching ministry, the very beginning of this. And it comes after Jesus being tested by the devil in the wilderness. And in the passage today, we get these three 
small snapshots, these three spotlights that are put on three different areas of Jesus' ministry. And each of these spotlights that we see shows us a different circumstance in which people around him are called to follow Jesus. And my prayer for this week has been as we study these words of Matthew is that this morning that we will see Jesus afresh. That we'll see Jesus as passionately pursuing us, the people that he loves. Showing us that he's the Messiah, the King, calling all those to him as disciples. Jesus makes himself known to every person in a different way. And perhaps this morning, God is making himself known to you and calling you to follow him. So let's have a look at these three different spotlights that we see. Let's have a look at these different ways that Jesus makes himself known to those around him as Messiah, as Saviour, and how he invited those around him to follow him. So let's explore how Jesus calls people to follow him. So the first spotlight that we see, I'll just read those first couple of verses again. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So the very first thing Jesus does to commence his preaching ministry is to reveal himself as the Messiah, the true king who is revealed throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And this was a really important starting point for Jesus because the people living in the area were waiting for a Messiah, but they were waiting for an earthly king, a descendant of David, a future kingdom established on earth and existing for eternity. And as John's ministry is lessened because he's thrown in prison, Jesus' ministry begins to flourish. So Jesus moves to live in Galilee, which is basically where he stays for his entire ministry until he goes to Jerusalem to be crucified. And Matthew shows us how all of Jesus' life and even his travel, particularly his travel, fulfilled scripture. Now, the Jews would have thought that the Messiah, the king, would surely be located in Jerusalem, would surely be in the temple. But Jesus assures them, using the words of the prophet Isaiah, that his move to Galilee fulfilled the prophecy that the Messiah would be a light in these areas and not just in Jerusalem. It also demonstrated Jesus' ministry was not just to a specific people in a specific town, but it was good news that would travel eventually to every part of the world and would be available for Jews and Gentiles alike. And I really love this description that Isaiah used and now Matthew picks up again to show what Jesus will do. He writes, there were the words of Isaiah, people living in darkness will see a great light. For those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Darkness in our world, it's been around since the sin of Adam and Eve, hasn't it? In chapter 9 of Isaiah, before Isaiah actually writes, writes these words of people seeing a light, the verses preceding that, Isaiah actually writes about the darkness that he sees. Isaiah talks about a people, and I quote, it says, Look toward the earth. A people who look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. 
And as Jesus starts his, starts his preaching ministry, the Jews are experiencing a darkness of a ruling oppression. And our world today has some pretty dark places too, doesn't it? We don't have to look too far. We have multiple wars that seem never-ending. We have countries that are persecuting Christians today, including in Australia. We see and experience family breakdowns. We see the poverty on our streets and in our community. We know the massive mental health issues impacting our lives and the lives of those around us. We can look at our world and we still see that darkness still remains, doesn't it? But thanks to Jesus, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. And that light is Jesus. And Jesus' first recorded sermon is a nine-word sermon. And it shows how we can find this light in this dark world. And John, sorry, Jesus uses exactly the same words that John the Baptist used. Exactly the same words. Saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus starts his preaching ministry with these same words that the people have been hearing from John over and over again. Turn from your sins, turn to God. Becoming a follower of Jesus begins with repentance. And it means turning away from our self-centeredness and our self-control and then turning to Jesus. Because a light has dawned. We all feel helpless when we see the darkness in our world, don't we? How can we change such big things going on around us? Such big things happening on the other side of the world at times. Jesus, however, calls us to focus on him. You can still find a light in a dark world. And it doesn't mean you have to solve all of the world's problems to do this, but it does mean you have to repent. The kingdom of heaven is near today. And Jesus calls each one of us today to repent. Perhaps today you need to repent, to turn to Jesus and experience the light that only Jesus can give in such a dark world. Is Jesus calling you closer to him today through repentance? The second light, we, the second snapshot we get to see of Jesus' early ministry uh, is found, I'll just read the first few verses again. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, at once, they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus, oh sorry. Uh, the second thing Jesus does to call people to himself as he commences his preaching ministry is to call his first disciples here. He calls his disciples. And we read about Jesus walking near this lake and seeing Simon Peter and his brother Andrew on a boat. They were fishing just as they always do. Jesus says, Come follow me. You cast your nets for fish, I'm going to help you cast for people. Now, when you read this story, you might be thinking, what a crazy story. Why would these guys leave their business? Why would they leave their income to follow a random guy yelling at them from a beach? It doesn't sound like a wise decision, does it? 
And that's because this isn't actually what happened. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, we learn that Andrew and his brother Peter as well, we learn that they actually knew who Jesus was before he called them. In fact, most of the people in the area, they knew Jesus. They knew about Jesus. There's a passage in John chapter 1 I just want to show you to show you um, just how, how they already knew Jesus. I'll read this out from John chapter 1. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. We'll find out who they are soon. Two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. John had spent time with Andrew and with Peter. John had explained who Jesus is to them over and over again. This isn't a random guy. Many of John's disciples became Jesus' disciples later. They knew that Jesus was more powerful. They knew that John wasn't even worthy of tying up Jesus' shoelaces. So Jesus, in this passage, is walking past a familiar lake. He sees familiar faces doing a familiar job. And now Jesus, in beginning his preaching ministry, calls out just like he would have done the week before to say, Hi guys, how you going? But this time he calls out and he says, follow me. And it doesn't take a second thought for them to throw down their nets and follow Jesus. They were just waiting to be asked. John had told them about Jesus. And over a long period of time, this person of whom John keeps talking about starts to become interesting and then starts to become a little bit intriguing for Andrew and for Peter. And then maybe they just tag along in the background for a little while. And then they start to wonder, is Jesus really the Messiah? Perhaps he is the dawning light. And then they want to not just know about him, they want to know him. They wanted to hang around him and all they needed, all they hoped for, was to be asked. And finally, finally Jesus says to them, follow me. And they follow. Full of enthusiasm, full of wonder, full of curiosity, full of faith. Church family, we can't force anyone to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't want anyone to follow him out of guilt or out of fear. But just like John, we can live for and we can talk about Jesus to those around us. We can share the good news of Jesus. We can tell others about this light, the only light that can shine in a dark world. Uh, For example, over this Christmas period, There is such a great opportunity to share Jesus honestly and naturally. As I've said before, it's this one time in the year where for some reason we can talk about Jesus and that's that's okay. Because we know why Christmas is so important to us, that it is about Jesus. And when we live our lives like John did, living for Jesus, telling others our unique story that we have of knowing Jesus, the people around us will be like Simon, Simon, Peter and Andrew. 
So I pray that today that you will believe that there are people in your families and that there are people in your community that are ready to follow Jesus, but they just need to be asked. They just need that question. Jesus asked and his disciples said yes to following him. Have a think about who you can have these John-type conversations, just these natural conversations where you just talk about Jesus because that's what you do, that's why it's important to you, that's why you follow him. It's going to be someone that knows you. It's going to be someone that likes you. It's going to be someone that's willing to serve you. Who can you ask to join you on your discipleship journey with Jesus? Is Jesus calling you closer to him today through relationship? And the final snapshot we get of Jesus' early preaching ministry uh, is verse 23 to 25. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people, and news about him spread. News about him spread. The, the last section of today's passage basically sums up the rest of Jesus' ministry until he leaves for Jerusalem and is crucified. Because Jesus travelled around his local area, he taught, he preached, he healed. And then he taught, and then he preached, and then he healed. That's what he did. And it's, his message was such good news to his community, to his local community. It's here that people were called to Jesus by other people as well. It says news about Jesus spread all over Syria. So then people from these places came to where Jesus was. And he healed them of diseases and pain and evil spirits and seizures. And this again was convincing proof for those learned Jews that he was the Messiah. And we read of large crowds from Galilee, from ten cities around the local area, in Jerusalem, Judea, all across the Jordan. Jesus didn't have social media for this news to spread. It relied on people. It relied on word of mouth. People saw Jesus. And then Jews and Greeks and Christians and non-Christians and Romans, everyone started talking about Jesus. And they wanted to be a part of this thing that they didn't fully understand yet. The good news was spreading, and not even just by Christians. The faithful and the faithless were invited into the presence of Jesus because they wanted to be there. Let's, not, let's acknowledge that not everyone wanted to be there for pure motives. Some people wanted to be there just to watch a healing or to bring someone to be healed. Maybe they wanted to hear a teaching they'd never heard of before. Maybe they wanted to trap Jesus in something that he said. Maybe they wanted to expose him as a fake. Maybe they just wanted to follow the crowd because that's what humanity normally does. People who didn't know Jesus were caught up in this culture and enthusiasm as those that did. Jesus' ministry wasn't a Christians-only type of place. It was far from that. Jesus created a place where he was the light in a dark place. And it was supported by disciples who just jumped at the chance to follow him because they were asked. And the whole community was not just present, but they were invited to share to be a part of this thing, to share it with others. And in this messy, this awkward, this chaotic at times place, the good news of Jesus was shared and more and more people came to faith. As I reflect on our church at Springwood, I've been thinking and challenged this week that I think it's actually in our messy, 
and awkward and chaotic at times places, that we are probably having the biggest impact on making Jesus known. In the playgroups and the kids' clubs and the youth groups and the young adults and the events outside of our regular services, we are seeing people hearing about the true Jesus for the very first time. Now, Jesus still preached in the synagogues. Our Sunday services absolutely have a significant role and a significant impact too. But I'm so encouraged as how we as a church and how other local Christian churches around us are making the calling of Jesus known. Is Jesus calling you closer to him today through the church? So there are so many reasons in this passage, aren't there, as to why we are called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus because he is the Messiah, just like Isaiah and Matthew established. We're called to follow Jesus because he is the light of the world. We're called to follow Jesus through repentance, just like John and Jesus preached. We're called to follow Jesus because we are just waiting to be asked, like Andrew and Peter. We're called to follow Jesus because that's why the church exists. Do you feel called to follow Jesus this morning? And if you've already made that decision, that is so good. And we praise God for that. Can I encourage you to know his calling this week and live it out this week? Can I also encourage you to be thinking about how you're helping others to find the calling of Jesus too? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you to consider how you can help someone else draw closer to Jesus this week? As shown in one of those three spotlights that we've looked at in today's passage. And if you've never, ever known the calling of Jesus, if no one has ever asked you that question, then today is a great day. Today is the best day to make that decision. Absolutely the best day today to consider this. Simon, Peter and Andrew, they knew about Jesus. They knew of him. But they waited until they were asked to follow. Come follow me, Jesus said. And they did. Our risen saviour asked the same question of us today. Will you follow Jesus, the light of the world? And it's easy. He's done everything required for you to draw close to him. Everything. It just requires repentance. It's a simple but a profound step in your faith journey. Will you choose to follow Jesus today? Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for these words written about Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing ways and different ways and encouraging ways that people chose to follow you. Thank you that you are, that you are the Messiah, that you are the King. Lord, thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for proving that you are the Messiah. Thanks for just asking that question, will you follow me? Thanks for showing how mighty and powerful you are through your miracles, through your healings. And Lord, most of all, thank you for your death and resurrection on the cross for us so that each of us can choose to follow you today through repentance. Amen. I will prepare now for a time of communion. And as we think about this time of communion, we can be reminded that Jesus not only calls us to follow him, but he also commands us to remember him.
commands us to remember him. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are called to follow Jesus, but we are also called to remember his great sacrifice. And I invite those serving uh, to hand out the bread and the juice to come up. I also invite those who love the Lord Jesus to participate this morning, to receive the bread and the juice and remember Jesus' body given for us. Jesus' blood poured out for us. We remember the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. So as a process this morning, please come down when you feel like it. You might want to spend some time in prayer, preparing yourself earlier. If you want to do that, that's fine too. Um, Come on down. When you return to your seat, eat the bread when you like. But just hold on to the cup and we'll, we'll share that together in a few minutes. Uh, we might have a bit of quiet music playing while we do this as well. So please come up when, you, when you'd like to and take the, the bread and the juice.
The Bible says at the Last Supper, Jesus took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As we now drink together, let's remember in thanks the forgiveness of sins offered to every one of us. Let's drink. Father God, we can only say thank you. We can only say thank you for what you chose to do. Lord, for saving us while we were still sinners. Thank you for this time to to remember you and help us to remember this throughout the week too. Amen.